Hello, I'm Christine Williams. I am the Sally Mathis Hartwood Professor of Gerontological Nursing at the College of Nursing here at the University of Iowa and co-director of the Hartford Center for Geriatric Nursing Excellence. And I'm very pleased to be here today and to get to share with you some of my work that looks at um, communication with older adults across healthcare settings, including communication with older adults with dementia and how important that is. I think sometimes uh, we lose sight of how important communication is to providing quality care, so I'm hoping that um, you'll take away an increased awareness or a refreshed awareness of that from today's presentation. And also to highlight that, um, we have a, a slide on the first slide here. We have a, a print that was created by Elizabeth Layton. She was a nursing home resident who um, did a number of prints that illustrate what it's like to be a resident in a nursing home from the perspective of the resident. And as this slide illustrates, communication is an important part of the experience of being a resident in a care facility. Um, and this slide actually points out communication of the nurse that illustrates elder speak, which is some of what I'll be talking about today. Um, this is just a disclosure statement for your information. And then our objectives um, for today um, really are to identify common barriers to communication for older adults and those with dementia, and to um, develop an increased awareness or reawareness of how important communication is for older adults and particularly for persons with dementia. And um, I will be highlighting work about elder speak, understanding um, where it comes from, and that it can provide actually negative messages through looking at some recent research that um, I've completed with um, my colleagues. All right, um, so to start out with um, is kind of stepping back and thinking about the importance of communication in caring for older adults. And Rowan Kahn um, coined the term successful aging um, that's become very popular. And I think we all aspire to successful aging. And successful aging includes components that are pretty obvious to all of us, such as maintaining our physical and functional abilities into our old age. Um, but there's also a third component, which is maintaining a successful connection to other people through social contact and through communication. Um, so it is a very important aspect of um, aging. We also know that job satisfaction for people who work with older adults, including nurses and other healthcare professionals, is much higher when these providers have close relationships and are able to communicate well with the persons they're caring for. And from the aspect of older adults who are clients of our healthcare system, we know that um, when nurses and other healthcare providers communicate effectively, they have increased satisfaction with care. Um, we've been able to demonstrate that effective provider communication can improve their independence and self-care. And uh, we found that those older adults 
who have a wide network of interpersonal relationships have actually increased life expectancy. So those are some pretty powerful ways that um, communication influences life for older adults and those that we're providing care for. So I'm going to talk about communication barriers for older adults in healthcare settings. And um, these are beyond the communication barriers that many older adults face based on changes in sensory abilities such as vision and hearing that complicate communication. So within healthcare settings, older adults frequently experience a lack of opportunities to communicate. Um, they're in a new setting, they're not with their usual family or friends that they usually communicate with on a regular basis, and instead they rely on nursing staff and other healthcare providers for their opportunities to communicate. And research has shown that in nursing homes, uh, much of my um, presentation will focus on nursing homes, but it's certainly applicable across settings, we know that um, nursing staff provide about 90% of the opportunities for older adults to have communication with others. Uh, we also know that this is a big responsibility for the nursing staff who have a lot of work. Um, we know that staffing is short and that workloads are heavy, so it's difficult for nurses to meet the challenge of meeting the needs of older adults for communication in long-term care and other healthcare settings. Also, we know that a lot of the staff um, who provide most of the direct care with older adults may not have a lot of um, experience or educational background in communication skills or specifically in communication with persons with dementia. So beyond the lack of opportunities, uh, there's a phenomenon called ignoring talk. And ignoring talk occurs when there's an older adult with two or more other persons present. And what happens is that the other persons talk about the older adult, but don't really include the older adult in the communication. And um, the implication here is that the older adult really can't be an active participant or isn't really responsible enough to be included. Um, so that's a negative message for the older adult who feels really left out and talked about. And um, ignoring talk is very common when staff work in teams. Not that teamwork is bad, but um, it's just something to keep in mind about communication when working in teams. Um, and also, say, when family members take an older adult to a healthcare provider appointment, um, sometimes there's a tendency for the older adult to be left out of the communication. Okay, a third area is task talk. And um, task talk is referring to communication that focuses on the care that's being provided. And task talk in itself is not bad. Uh, it's very important that um, clients are informed of what's going on with the provision of their health care and are involved through communication. But task talk shouldn't be the only kind of talk um, because older adults also value a more interpersonal kind of communication, which um, really indicates an, a relationship between the two people that are communicating. Um, unfortunately, from our research, we found that in healthcare settings such as nursing homes, 
about 75% of the um, communication that older adults engage in focuses around tasks. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit more about interpersonal communication. So um, interpersonal communication is the kind of communication where you really feel a relationship and a connection to another person. It's actually individualized and specific and it indicates that both of the people in the conversation are important and special. So it's tailored and it listens and responds to what the older adult is saying or experiencing and really accepts their experiences as important. Um, some areas that are common um, for interpersonal talk with older adults would be talking about their family, their former job, uh, their experiences in childhood, or maybe a recent um, special event that um, has taken place. Um, so it's really interpersonal communication really um, shows a relationship to the other person as an individual. And it's important to all of us, I think, if you think about your communication. Okay, beyond those barriers, uh, we have elder speak. And um, elder speak is a phenomena in communication. It's actually a speech style that sounds a lot like baby talk to older adults. Um, elder speak has been found to occur whenever you have older people communicating with younger people, so it's intergenerational. And it's common in our society, especially in healthcare settings or anywhere where you have um, frail um, looking older adults. And actually it's common in other countries as well. And it's based on subconscious stereotypes that we all have of older adults as being less competent at communication as well as less competent in other areas of life. Um, and because of these stereotypes, we alter our communication when we talk with older adults, and it's very difficult not to do this. Now, um, people that use elder speak are very well-intentioned, and they really do it believing that talking this way um, provides a message of caring to the older adult, and they think that this will improve the ability of the older adult to understand the communication. But research shows that this is really not the case, and then in fact, Elder speak provides negative messages that have negative implications for these older adults. These are some of the key features of elder speak, and this is certainly not an all-inclusive list. Um, again, it sounds like baby talk. In fact, the first social scientists that identified elder speak uh, did a study where they had audio recordings of care being provided to older adults in a nursing home and another set of audio recordings of care for children in a daycare setting and they mixed them up and played them to um, raiders and asked them to identify which population was which and the raiders were unable to distinguish which recordings were from a nursing home versus a child care setting so it really is um, does sound a lot like baby talk. Um, I've got some of the features highlighted here that I'll point out. Um, diminutives are inappropriately intimate terms of endearment for use by a healthcare professional with an older adult. Um, and they're words like honey, dearie, and sweetie um, that you'll frequently hear. 
Um, the third point here is um, incorrect pronoun use, and this refers to substituting we pronouns for an individual pronoun. For example, I might say, are we ready for our bath? Well, I'm not going to be in the bath, hopefully not anyway. So the correct pronoun use would be for me to say, are you ready for your bath or can I help you get ready for your bath? Substituting that we pronoun gives a subtle message that that older adult is not able to act independently, but has to be part of the we collective. Um, some of the other um, items listed here I think are fairly obvious. Um, loud, slow speech, really short statements. Um, and overall, elder speak is seen as reflecting an imbalance in certain dimensions of communication that are care, respect, and control, so that the communication comes out either overly caring or overly controlling. And I'm going to play a clip next that I think will illustrate elder speak, and you'll be able to see some of these key features. And this was actually um, a recording that was collected in some of my early research, and um, it features a um, nurse's aide in a nursing home, and she's getting a resident up in the morning, and um, she was wearing a wireless microphone um, over a two-hour period, so she's a little unaware or maybe has forgotten that she's being recorded. Um, but anyway, it provides a nice sample of not, not unusual communication that reflects elder speak. Good morning, Jenny. Jenny. My goodness. Where's your legs? Oh, hanging off the bed, girl. Hanging off the bed. Hey, Jenny. How are you this morning? off this morning, aren't you, girly? Sound asleep. All right. I think you'll agree that that doesn't sound like your usual adult-to-adult -adult communication, um, and hopefully you were able to identify some of these characteristic features of elder speak. I'm going to talk a little bit about how the emotional tone or the underlying affective messages are altered in these um, elder speak communication. Um, so looking at elder speak as an imbalance in the dimensions of care, respect, and control, we can have different kinds of communication. So we can have overly caring or overly nurturing communication. We can have overly directive or overly controlling communication. Or we can have affirming or confirming communication, which is more the adult-to-adult um, um, type of communication um, that's actually favorable. Um, so what I'm going to do next is um, play some video clips to illustrate how communication can differ um, looking at this concept of emotional tone. And these are actually acted out um, scenarios, but they're based on actual recordings that our research team collected in a nursing home facility. Um, so the scenario 
you're going to see acted out in the three different dimensions of um, elder speak um, emotional tone. And the scenario is the same in each. Um, there's a new resident in the facility who has a little bit of dementia and is a little confused and having trouble finding their room. So we're going to compare how the um, communication of the staff can be different and perceived differently and provide different messages to this resident. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and play the first clip. Where do you think you're going? That's not your room, silly girl. Goodness, honey, are you lost? You are lost, aren't you? We can't have that. Here, why don't you come with me and I'll take you back to your room so you'll feel all comfortable, okay? Come on, sweetie. Honey, that's not your room. You wanna come with me? I'll take you to your room, all right? Why don't you grab my hand and we'll go to your room. It's just down the way here, okay? Okay, in this clip, um, the communication was the overly nurturing or overly caring imbalance. And um, the staff used a high-pitched voice that sounded similar to baby talk. She also used some of the inappropriately intimate and patronizing terms of endearment, um, including honey and sweetie and childish references to the resident, including silly girl, instead of the resident's name. The nursing staff person's speech and voice tone really implied that the resident was confused and not able to find her way, and that she needed to depend on the staff person to help her. The staff person's approach was overly nurturing, similar to a mother-child interaction, and not appropriate for an older adult. I'm going to go ahead and play that clip one more time um, and have you look for those key features again. Where do you think you're going? That's not your room, silly girl. Honey, are you lost? You are lost, aren't you? We can't have that. Here, why don't you come with me and I'll take you back to your room so you'll feel all comfortable, okay? Come on, sweetie. Honey, that's not your room. You want to come with me? I'll take you to your room, all right? Why don't you grab my hand and we'll go to your room. It's just down the way here, okay? Okay, um, now we'll move around, along to the clip where the um, staff is more bossy, controlling, or directive. Um, so this is an imbalance in the control dimension and could occur, say, when someone's having a very busy day. Um, so it's not uncommon to see this type of communication as well. So we'll go ahead and play this clip. You 
Sheila, that's not your room. You don't have any business being there. What are you doing? You know residents can't go in and out of other people's rooms. What are you doing? Come on, let me take you to your room. You don't need to be here. You don't need to be out of your room. Come on, let's go. Let's go. This way. Your room's down here. Come on. Don't you remember where you live? Okay, so you see a difference in that clip where the staff person is more harsh and directive. She may be busy and preoccupied with other tasks, but she speaks quickly and repeats short commands in a loud voice. She makes no attempt to find out and validate what the resident is thinking and feeling, and she fails to give the resident a chance to express herself or even to respond to their rapid questioning. The nursing staff person even questions the woman's memory and thought processes at the end of the clip, implying that she has a cognitive problem. So I'll let you see that clip one more time um, to make sure you're able to pick up on all these areas. Sheila, that's not your room. You don't have any business being there. What are you doing? You know residents can't go in and out of other people's rooms. What are you doing? Come on, let me take you to your room. You don't need to be here. You don't need to be out of your room. Come on, let's go. Let's go. This way. Your room's down here. Come on. Don't you remember where you live? Okay. Um, now we're going to move along to a third enactment of the same clip, and this one is affirming or confirming communication. And in this clip, we did our best to act out more affirming and adult-to-adult -adult appropriate communication. Um, I think um, as you watch the clip, hopefully you'll think this is a better example, uh, but as you'll see, there still are some areas that could be improved on. And this points out that even when we're concentrating and really focusing on our communication, there seems to always be room for improvement. So let's watch the affirming communication clip. Mrs. West, are you lost? Mrs. West, are you having trouble finding your room? These doors all look alike. This isn't your room. So we go down by the solarium? That's where your room is next to you, okay? Come on, follow me, Mrs. West. Let me show you where your room is, okay? Come on, let's go. It's just down the way here, okay? That's, that's right, just down by the solarium. Okay, in this clip, the staff referred to the resident by her proper name, showing recognition and respect. She used adult vocabulary and a respectful voice tone, pitch, and volume. And instead of repeating herself, the staff person paraphrased to get the message across. Um, she also included communication to help reorient the resident. And the communication also showed some empathy or interest in what the resident might be experiencing. She suggests that she will help the resident, but leaves the resident in control. 
And she also uses a supportive physical touch without controlling her physically. So I'll let you see that clip once more. Mrs. West, are you lost? Mrs. West, are you having trouble finding your room? These doors all look alike. This isn't your room. Shall we go down by the solarium? That's where your room is next to, okay? Come on, follow me, Mrs. West. Let me show you where your room is, okay? Come on, let's go. It's just down the way here, okay? That's, that's right, just down by the solarium. Alright, um, so hopefully that gives you an idea of different kinds of communication that can show the different um, aspects of emotional tone. So this is actually a model called the Communication Predicament of Aging, and it provides a framework for us to understand what's going on in these situations and what some of the outcomes can be. Um, and this was developed by Ellen Ryan and her colleagues out of Canada. There's a citation there if you're interested in reading more about that. Um, so if you enter the white block at the top, there's an encounter with an older and younger adult. The younger person recognizes they're talking to an older adult, and this calls into play a number of negative stereotypes of older adults that we all have. And because of this, um, the younger person modifies their speech behavior. Um, and we can actually measure and quantify these changes in speech. Um, and some of the things that are modified are the sentence complexity and grammar that are simplified. Um, we can actually measure changes in those. Um, we can measure um, different strategies that a younger person would use to clarify the speech, such as repeating things over and over, stressing syllables, or using that really high um, standout pitch. Um, and finally, there's the alteration in the emotional tone that we talked about showing an imbalance in care, respect, and control. Now, older adults who are cognitively intact and can tell us, um, tell us that they don't, they recognize this speech um, readily and they don't like being talked down to. Um, and I'll also present some research that shows that even people who can't tell us appear bothered by this kind of speech. Anyway, older adults receiving these messages that imply incompetence um, may suffer loss to their self-esteem. They may want to avoid getting those messages repeatedly, so isolate themselves or avoid ongoing social interactions. And there's also research that shows that older adults may start to enact their own stereotypes of a frail older adult when they receive these messages. And that's certainly not the message that we as healthcare providers want to provide to older adults who are trying to empower to maintain their self-care. This slide just reviews some of the negative impacts that we can um, realize due to the use of elder speak. And again, um, points out that older adults really recognize elder speak and um, find it as being talked down to and demeaning. This is a communication enhancement model, 
And this model actually is giving us a better example of what needs to occur in communication encounters between younger and older adults. Um, so you have the same arrow at the top with the younger and older person communicating. There's the recognition of cues that the younger person is talking to an older adult, but the modification in communication is instead based on an individualized assessment of the older adult's communication capabilities. So um, across the board changes aren't made just because it's an older adult. Um, only things specifically needed by that individual are altered. Um, in this way, um, it's a more adult form of communication that leads to more positive outcomes such as affirming, um, empowering, and improved well-being and ongoing improvements with ongoing communication. All right, we're going to switch focus a little bit here um, and talk about training people not to use elder speak. This slide actually shows a cartoon looking at training staff to use elder speak, but we're going to talk about the opposite. We developed a training program to help staff learn about elder speak um, and hopefully to help them reduce their use of elder speak in working with nursing home residents. And the program is called CHAT short for Changing Talk, and it's a three one-hour session in-service intervention that we've tested in, uh, with nursing home staff. And the goal is really to increase the awareness of staff to the importance of communication, as well as to elder speak and how it can provide these negative messages. And we use videos that were actually recorded in nursing home settings um, to illustrate communication. Uh, we encourage the staff in the in-service to take the resident's point of view and um, we give them scripts so that they can actually um, use a pen and improve the communication and eventually role play improved communication um, in the different scenarios. So it gives them actually some hands-on practice of improved communication. We also, for staff who have participated in our research studies, are able to let them hear a sample of what they sound like when they're working with residents. And that can be a real eye-opener because we often don't realize exactly how we're coming across um, when we're busy working. So we've tested the CHAT program in um, a number of nursing homes um, with 37 staff and 60 residents. Um, and basically what we did to evaluate how the program worked was we audio recorded the staff for two hour intervals. So we gave them a wireless recorder um, or a wireless microphone and had them have that on for two hours during their regular work day. And we collected these audio recordings on two days before we did the intervention, the chat program, um, soon after the intervention was provided, and then two months later. And then from these recordings, we randomly selected audio clips for analysis. This is a sample of a transcript that we used to evaluate how effective the intervention was at reducing elder speak. So we had each of the um, conversations typed up. You see here N for nurse and R for resident. Um, and um, once they were typed up, we coded different features of elder speak that we could find in these transcripts. For example, you see we've got a we pronoun substitution um, in the third line down. We've got then a change of topic. Um, and um, in the next to the last line, 
we have a diminutive honey. Um, we then have in the last line repetition and a shortened statement. So those are just some examples. Um, and then we can actually run a program to tally these up and determine um, how frequently these different markers of elder speak are used in the staff communication. Um, and that's what we did comparing um, the baseline recordings and the post-intervention um, recordings. So I'm going to show you some of the results from that research. Um, this is looking at terms of endearment, the honey, dairy, sweetie, or diminutives. And um, what we've got here are box plots. And these represent the distribution um, that we found from the transcripts in the sample. And we're looking here at the number of diminutives in 100 statements or 100 utterances. And what you see in the yellow box is the interquartile range, which is the 25th to 75th percentile of the data. And um, the median is the dark line in the center of the colored box. So what you see is that pre-training, um, the staff were using, um, it looks like, about six or seven diminutives on average per 100 utterances in their communication with the residents. After they did the training program, we had a significant reduction in the use of diminutives. However, we did not totally eliminate the use of the diminutives. Um, and then the third column you have there is the, um, the CNA or the aide talking with a coworker or other non-resident. And you see that they really don't use the diminutives in that conversation with, other, with their peers. Um, this is looking at the substitution of those we pronouns. And this is, again, the we pronoun substitutions for every 100 statements. And you see a similar relationship here with a significant reduction after the training, but not eliminating them. And then, again, you see that uh, the aides that were the staff in the study did not use the collective pronoun substitutions with um, their peers or non-residents. Um, we also looked at the emotional tone, and we had people rate the emotional tone um, in each of these the conversations. And as a nurse, I was a little concerned because I really didn't want to reduce the message of care that was provided to the residents in the um, recorded communications after training. And fortunately, as you can see here, even though we reduced the honey, deary, sweetie, diminutives, and other forms of elder speak, we did not re reduce that overall message of care in the communication. So that was really um, important finding. Um, we did, however, have a significant reduction in ratings of the controlling messages um, and a little bit of an improvement in ratings of respect um, in the communication. So those were all great um, findings. Um, and so learning more about elder speak we discovered there was some controversy. Um, we knew that with older adults who were cognitively intact, they would tell us that they recognized being talked to using elder speak and found it demeaning. We also um, know from research that um, in testing older adults, when they received messages with elder speak versus non-elder speak, there was not an improvement in their understanding of the communication. But there's some controversy about elder speak, and, or at least there was at that time, and its use with persons in dementia. Um, and many experts advise use of kind of childlike activities, 
um, and communication with um, older adults with dementia. Um, so that was kind of a concern of ours and a question about how persons with dementia specifically responded to elder speak. And el dementia, as you know, is a, a really growing focus for our care of older adults. Uh, we know that aging is the number one risk factor for developing um, dementia and that perhaps half of the people over age 85 are suffering from um, cognitive decline in dementia. Um, as this population grows, with um, an estimated um, person being diagnosed with dementia in this country every 68 seconds, this is an important population for us to focus on in improving our care. We also know that over 50% of residents in nursing homes um, and even in assisted living settings um, suffer from dementia and that it, there are a lot of implications for um, hospital care as well. Patients may not be readily identified or may not have been diagnosed with having dementia, and dementia is also linked to higher rates of delirium that complicate care. Um, so I'm going to talk about dementia care, um, specifically focusing on people with dementia. And um, in healthcare settings, we not only face the challenges of the healthcare environmental factors that can be barriers to effective communication, but we also have the individual factors of this person who has dementia with a progressive loss of their ability for meaningful communication. There are a number of um, evidence-based strategies as well as um, many strategies out there that aren't based on evidence. Um, and I thought this was a good example um, that provided some of the evidence-based strategies and that provides you with a reference if you'd like to check out some of these. I'm not going to go through them individually. So, our research team was interested in finding out how does ElderSpeak um, impact or affect care for persons with dementia? And is ElderSpeak appropriate or a preferred kind of communication for persons with dementia? That led to a research study that was um, funded by the National Institutes of Nursing Research and the National Institutes on Aging. Um, and on this slide, you see another one of the Elizabeth Layton uh, motherless child prints that shows the perspective of a nursing home resident and also illustrates kind of the power of communication. And the nurse here is using some elder speak saying, oh no, dear, we can't bathe by ourselves now, can we? Um, and that's an um, interesting perspective of the resident, how she feels small and all those eyes are upon her. Anyway, we decided to look at these care situations because we found that nursing communication during care situation tends to precipitate challenging behaviors and that these challenging behaviors um, disrupt care. And I'm referring to behaviors such as aggression, agitation, wandering, but also things such as withdrawal and other kinds of behaviors. Now we know that these behaviors are very common. In fact, most people with dementia will develop these kind of behaviors at some point during the disease process. And that these are extremely stressful for caregivers 
um, including family caregivers who may actually place their loved one in a care facility because they're no longer able to physically and emotionally uh, manage these behaviors themselves. The behaviors are also very stressful for caregivers within care facilities and are frequently cited as the number one stressor for these staff that work in dementia care. So in looking further, we framed these kind of behaviors as resistiveness to nursing care. From a nursing perspective, it disrupts the care we provide. Uh, we looked at what research was out there and found that the time required for staff to complete care was lengthened by these behaviors um, and that frequently multiple people were required to assist to accomplish our goals of care. In just talking with staff who are primarily, again, the direct care staff are primarily certified nursing assistants, um, resistance to care or these behaviors are a top concern and contribute to their job stress, burnout, and job dissatisfaction. And we know that um, we have exceedingly high turnover rates for certified nursing assistants in long-term care settings that may actually top 100% every year. Um, we also now know that this resistance to care or disruption of care actually increases the cost to complete care, um, not only because it takes staff more time, you may need multiple staff, and it's stressful, and so you're having to replace staff. So the estimates are that these kind of behaviors can actually increase costs for nursing home care by 30%. Um, and considering that average cost for a semi-private nursing home room is about $80,000 on average nationwide. Um, that's a significant amount. This is another one of the latent prints, and this um, really demonstrates that even from the perspective of residents, they are identifying this resistiveness to care as part of the, the life in the nursing home. And um, we have here a gentleman who's saying, damn it, I don't want a bath and you can see all the staff hands in there to try and um, complete this care task. Okay, we actually have a great model that helps us um, frame what's going on in these um, care situations and it's called the Need Driven Dementia Compromise Behavior Model. And it's based on the idea that all behavior has meaning and that because of dementia, older adults may be unable to communicate their needs and wants using their verbal communication, and they may instead um, use behaviors, these physical behaviors, to communicate unmet needs and wants. This is just a diagram of this model, and you see these two boxes at the top are factors that um, interplay to result in the behaviors that are, some of them are listed down here at the bottom of the slide. Now the box on the left looks at pretty much fixed factors that we really can't change, but the box on the right lists factors that we as healthcare providers can alter to um, identify needs and to change um, these factors that can contribute to um, these behaviors and resistiveness to care. Um, so this work that I'm going to be discussing is focusing on psychosocial as well as social needs um, for older adults in dementia care. 
Um, so our study was called Elderspeak Impact on Dementia Care, and it was just an observational study, again funded by the NIH, and we recruited 20 nursing home residents with dementia who had resistive behaviors. And we just went in and followed them around and video recorded them during daily care sessions, including bathing, oral care, or medication administration, dressing, and a random other activity. And we collected one to 10 minute um, video recordings and archived these in a computer. And then we used computer-assisted behavior analysis, a special software called Noldus Observer Pro, to code the behaviors of the resident, whether um, they were cooperative or resistive, and also the staff communication that was um, in each of the videos. And because of the capabilities of this software, we were able to look at the temporal or the time relationships between the resident's behavior and the staff communication. Again, we used 20 nursing home residents who had um, reported by staff to have exhibited resistiveness to care. Uh, they were your pretty typical nursing home population, mean age of 83. The MDS-COG score indicates that they were in moderate stages of dementia. Uh, they were pr primarily Caucasian women, as typical of um, nursing home populations. Um, and you also have some information here about the staff who participated. They were pro primarily certified nursing assistants. Uh, we had some increased diversity in the staff sample and a mean age of 35 years. So um, the selected videos were analyzed frame by frame. So we had one team of coders who would watch each video and code um, whether the staff communication was normal, which would be your adult-to-adult -adult communication, whether the staff were using elder speak, or where there was silence. So these were mutually exclusive categories. Then we had a different set of coders who looked at, focused specifically on the resident's behavior and coded whether the behavior was being neutral, cooperative, or resistive to care. Um, and then we looked at the temporal relationships. Um, just to give you an idea, these are some of the resident behaviors that we included as operational definitions for resistiveness to care. Um, and these are actually taken from Ellen Mahoney and her colleagues' development of the resistiveness to care scale. So it includes things that are overt behaviors, such as aggressive behaviors, but also things that um, in other ways indicate unmet needs or displeasure, such as just looking away, clenching teeth, crying, and that. These are some of the operational definitions we used for elder speak. And again, this is not an all-inclusive list um, and does include verbal as well as nonverbal communication. Um, and this is a coding screen. So if you were a um, coder, you would see a video here, um, and you, you see where the video would appear. And then you would go through and play this, and as it plays, you would press different keys to indicate um, the resident's behavior state, or if you were coding the staff communication, the staff communication state. And then you would also code the specific behaviors or communication features um, in the um, video. And if you look on the left, you see an event log that shows that it records these things 
um, to like the hundredths of a second. And we had to do extensive training with our coders to um, have inner rater reliability for coding of 80% um, or up um, within a 10 second window. So there was a lot of going back and forth in the video to make sure you were getting accurately um, coding when behaviors, different behaviors start, started and ended. So we came out of this coding with a lot of data. And we decided what we wanted to look at was what happened that precipitated changes in the resident's behavior. And what you see plotted here is the staff coding of uh, 250 seconds video with the staff coding on the top and the resident coding on the bottom. So we decided to look at whenever the resident's behavior changed, whether they became resistive or cooperative, um, and then we would look back seven seconds to see what the staff communication state was at that time. And five to ten seconds is a pretty typical reactionary interval for people with dementia to respond to communication. So that's why we chose that interval. With the help of our statistician who used hierarchical linear modeling, we looked at what the probability of the resident being resistive to care was in relationship to what kind of speech style the staff was using. And we found there were significant differences here in that um, the probability of the resident being resistive to care was more than twice as high when the staff used elder speak communication compared to the normal adult-to-adult -adult communication. And that's portrayed here in the, the box plots here. And you also have in the third column on this um, graphic, silence. And we had a lot of silence in our videos. And um, we kind of concluded that silence was sometimes beneficial and sometimes not. Um, and that that's an area um, that really needs further research. We also looked at the emotional tone that we've talked about before um, with the imbalance of care, respect, and control and the different types of overly nurturing, directive, and affirming communication. Um, and to do that, we had naive raiders who were people um, pretty much recruited off the street and we had them watch um, one-minute clips of the videos and rate them on the different dimensions. So there are four adjectives for each dimension and um, this shows kind of the scale. Um, so they would listen to the clip and then rate the staff person's communication on these different adjectives. And we use this to derive the emotional tone. Um, and what we found was that um, among these 20 naive raters, that we didn't really give them instruction or definition for the terms, that we had remarkably high um, reliability, inter-rater reliability across all of the dimensions. And our results were that um, higher levels of resistiveness to care were correlated with higher controlling messages. Um, so not surprisingly, we didn't have significant relationships between resistiveness to care with the caring or respectful um, dimensions or tone of communication. But again, we did have a small sample of 20 clips. We, we used only the bathing clips for this analysis. Conclusions were that these effective messages or the emotional tone in the staff-resident interactions really did have an effect on residents' cooperation during care. 
and that the communication with the controlling tone was really associated with increased resistiveness to care. So further research looking at staff training might focus on avoiding this controlling type of tone in communication as a way to improve um, resident cooperation with care. Implications overall suggest that our study supports that communication is a significant factor in care um, in relation to resistance to care of residents with dementia. And since we talked about earlier, we know we can help nursing staff to reduce their use of elder speak communication with a three session in-service. Um, we developed a new study that's actually currently underway to assess um, whether training would not only reduce staff elder speak communication, but then in turn would reduce resistiveness to care. Um, and that study actually is an R01 study funded by the National Institutes of Health uh, that is currently underway in 16 nursing home facilities. Um, we're using a randomized controlled trial design with um, intervention and control groups um, and looking at differences between the groups post-intervention on staff use of elder speak, as well as the proportion of resident resistiveness to care. We're also looking at um, factors such as if we reduce resistiveness to care, which is our hypothesis, how much it would cost in to provide that um, in relation to uh, the proportion of reduction we could achieve in resistiveness to care and time to complete care. We're, and we're looking at if we have any effects on turnover of staff and how staff rate the likelihood of using these um, new communication skills in practice. We're also looking at other factors uh, related to the characteristics of the facilities, staff, and residents that might um, affect whether the intervention is effective. So I'd like to um, just have some acknowledgments here of funding um, for the different aspects of the research in the presentation today. Um, also to recognize uh, the nursing home administrators and staff, as well as families and residents who were gracious enough to participate in the studies. Um, I'd like to um, acknowledge the use of the latent prints from the University of Kansas Medical Center Landon Center, Center on Aging Collection, um, and the research team that are not all listed here, but um, some of them are listed in the citation here um, of the study that I um, closed with. Um, and then just to close, again, um, just to reemphasize that communication is a big aspect of care for older adults, um, including from the perspective of the resident and also from the perspective of staff. Thank you.